Welcome to another episode of the Glorantha Initiation Series, where we talk to members of the tribe who recently joined the God Learner Studies. The God Learner Podcast wants to investigate how people comparatively, comparatively new to Glorantha experience the world, what are the rewards, what are the hurdles when approaching this setting. I am uh, Ludo, aka Lord Abdul. My name is Jörg, and our guest today is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey, Aaron, I'm super excited to have you because I think you have a uh, rather uh, quite different <laughs> trajectory into into the setting than most people. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, let's start. Uh, like, do you, do you want to introduce yourself a bit first? Yeah, uh, I'm Aaron King. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the US, which is the home of role playing games. Don't listen to people who say it's Gary Gygax in Wisconsin. We invented them here. We're going to keep. Oh wait, <laughs> is it is it is it where Dave Arneson is from or something? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a a feud with the people across the river. Uh, <laughs> very Glorantin. We'll steal their cattle and. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I am a game designer and I work at a game store. We were just mentioning uh, that sells. RPGs and board games and things like that. Yeah, that's me. Cool. And so how did you get into RPGs then? Um, I grew up in a very small town of about 500 people and didn't have the internet. And um, every month with my uh, allowance, my mom would drive me to a bookstore like a Walden Books or a B. Dalton, a chain bookstore in a mall about 40 minutes away. And... I started buying Dragon Magazine with my allowance. I couldn't afford oh. hardcover books or anything, but the magazines were cheap and I didn't know how to play, but the the art was so cool and I could tell it was some kind of game. Um, so <laughs> eventually I did get a D&D Basic box set, uh, the black one with the big red dragon on it. Right. And then the AD&D First Quest but also could never find anyone to play. So I was just reading them. <laughs> Did you, uh, before you got the game, were you one of those people who like from the magazines try to uh, uh, reverse engineer? The, uh... <laughs> I still have a bunch of them that I bought and like, there's little handwritten notes of me trying to make sense of like, you know, cross-referencing, <laughs> oh, this was mentioned in this other issue uh, and kind of understanding the different, there are different settings, you know, oh, this is Dark Sun, it slowly comes together mm. that this is a different thing and I should keep that separate. Um, so wait, wait, when when was this then? Um, Dark Sun was already out by yeah. the time? Oh, okay. I thought it was much later, like around third edition or something. No, Dark Sun was uh, late AD&D because then they issued the revised box set oh, okay. that I eventually oh. got. So yeah, this was around 93 or 94, I think. Okay. Yeah, never really played with anyone. And then finally, years later in college, uh, got to play some 3.5 and some 4th edition D&D. And then my good friend was also really into improv. And so he would get games like Fiasco and these narrative story games. And we would play those with with him. So wait, you you, you went from like D&D 3 and 4 directly yes. into like the, the sort of like new wave of narrative games early 2000 or something. And like you didn't do the in-between basically? You, you No, it's I've always, <laughs> I feel kind of lucky that way. Uh, growing up, there was like one radio station that was not country 
and not top 40 pop music. And it was just called alternative music, mm. but it had like nine inch nails and it had ska music and punk music and Nirvana. And so I didn't have the internet. I just thought that was like all one group of friends, you know, one kind of thing. Cause that's how it was introduced to me. And so similarly with RPGs, it was fourth edition, 3.5 fiasco, uh, Polaris, Firefly, which is like the Cortex system. It was just like yeah. one kind of ecosystem to me. What's, what's Polaris? I've never heard of that one, I think. Uh, Polaris is, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember the tagline, like a game of, of doomed knights in a dying icy kingdom or something. And Ooh. so it's this kind of uh, Elric, Melnibonean, uh, you know, high society that is crumbling mm. at the end of its life, but very cool. ritualistic and narrative, not a lot of mechanics. Interesting. Um, yeah, I played a lot in college. I moved to Minneapolis about 10 years ago. And to meet people, I volunteered at a, a radical bookstore that was all volunteer run and um, started running games for people there because people were interested. Um, Stranger Things was coming out and Adventure Zone and those other ones were getting big. And so there were a lot of people that were looking to play. And so we started with fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons that had just come out, but quickly moved into Powered by the Apocalypse games and stuff that are uh, a little easier to learn and run. Which which PBTA games are, are you into? Um, I mean, Apocalypse World is great. The original, I love running it. Um, Sagas of the Icelanders by Gregor Vuga, which is a like historical... Icelandic settlement game, um, Ooh, which that might be uh, that might be up your exactly. Yes, <laughs> it's really it's really good, um, and so I think those are my favorites. Cool, but so I guess uh, we are here to talk about Glorantha, and uh, how did you uh, get into that? King of Dragon Pass. Uh, a friend of mine was like, "You got to see this weird game. You can make <laughs> friends with ducks. You can have hallucinatory <laughs> journeys." Uh, and we didn't know anything about Glorantha and so much of that game is kind of testing your knowledge of Glorantha <laughs> and the Pantheon. And so to us, it was just, it was almost like how people talk about Dwarf Fortress. We were just getting into trouble, finding <laughs> the ways to get into trouble that would then be funny stories that we would tell each other and our friends later. Um, I mean, I mean, you get the advisors telling you uh, what they think they want to do. Yeah, but you can't trust some of them. Some of them are tricksters. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, but they make good points usually, they though. Do. They do. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing with the advisors. Like, I'm always like, they all make good points. I agree with all of you. I'll just <laughs> roll a dice instead. It, it hurts my head to try and decide. <laughs> um, but that was, it was with my friend who was the improviser that he showed me that. And he, his way of running games was very faction based like similar to king of dragon pass and we would go talk to people and they would give us things that they wanted us to do but then we would meet someone else that wanted us to do the opposite or would be hurt yes. by our initial quest um and this very kind of gray moral world that gave us a lot of agency and mm. so um that has always been something i valued in running and playing games and i think it works really well in clarantha where you know people are often just trying to survive and uh, there's no true way to do that. Just struggling to keep an empire, empire running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
like because that was the video game. So how did that eventually affect your RPG, uh, like tabletop RPG uh, uh, activities? I always wanted to get into RuneQuest after that, but I could never find the right way. Um, I read RuneQuest Classic and I felt like I was missing so many things. It felt like a game assembled by a bunch of different letters and journal entries. It was referencing other stuff that it felt like it wanted me to know already, but I was intrigued. I enjoyed it, but I just didn't feel ready to play it. Um, I found a copy of Hero Wars Ooh. by Robin Laws, which felt a little more accessible. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're the only person to say that <laughs> well, I think part of it you know i came from i had that story game experience yeah exactly yeah because it was it came out before like all the forge and and all the story game right movement really picked up so when it came out i think a lot of people looked at it and were like the fuck is yeah. that? Like, what do they do with <laughs> yeah. that? You know, it also was uh, one of the first crowdfunded things, and uh, the production sometimes shows. Oh yeah, mine is falling apart. The glue is not holding, um, but it's such a funny little artifact. I love yes. it. And then I finally, so uh, there are a number of indie RPG designers that hang out in discords together, and one of them, uh, Will Yopst had played original RuneQuest with Robin Laws running it mm -hmm. and had mm -hmm. played in Big Rubble. Yeah. And so one day Will posted the Big Rubble map into the Discord and said, <laughs> as though it were Fortnite, like, this is Big Rubble, where are we dropping? Um, and I was like, <laughs> what is this? This is amazing. And Will, you know, was telling me about uh, RuneQuest and uh, Ruins of Old Pavis and all these other... Uh, supplements that uh sounded so amazing so then i finally i got runequest role-playing in glorantha uh the game store i work at someone brought in a bunch of the second age stuff the robin laws mongoose oh yeah published mm -hmm. books so i got a bunch of those and just started diving in um and was absolutely hooked uh i just ordered the prosopedia i'm super excited for that i think that's gonna be <laughs> what finally unlocks it for me as well. But <laughs> doing all this, like I wanted to read it and I wanted to run it, but the people I run games for are all, they have kids, they have ADHD, they're anxious. They don't have time to uh, engage with something as big yeah. as Glorantha and are often kind of put off if they see that there's some sort of expectation of homework or, um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you do you think they they would be put off by the depth of the world or by the rules of RuneQuest? I think a mix of both. I think mostly the rules. I think a lot of them have trouble. I mean, these are the people that I started running 5e4 and by level four or five, they're just like, I can't keep up with what I am able to do. And I that's right. very fair. Uh, often yeah, I can't yeah. either. Um, <laughs> li li life is too short for strike ranks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of them too, um, have kind of gotten into pop culture and geek culture stuff recently and see things like the Marvel movies now where it's like, wait, I have to watch three movies and a TV series that I is maybe not streaming where it used to be before I can go see this new one. Um, and I think that's a valid fear. And I think when they encounter other kind of canons, other world building, things like that, it brings up those similar feelings of like, wait, 
what if I get this wrong? What if I can't keep track of, of this culture that I'm supposed to be from? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, but, but you know, the four letter mantra. <laughs> yes. My Glorenta varies a lot. We will get into that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I and I mean, you, you you don't have to tell them that there are like three encyclopedias, uh, <laughs> three encyclopedias out there. You can just tell them like, oh no, it's just like King of Dragon Pass, and and there's not nothing else. Like we're playing in King of Dragon Pass, the video game. Yeah, well, and that's what I've ended up doing is doing a lot of story game stuff. Like you all are just a a clan. You you know, do you want to live by the sea? Do you want to live in the woods? And they kind of build that stuff up and, and, you know, I tell them about runes and they pick some runes and we figure out, oh, is this one God that your two runes signify or are they separate gods? And we kind of build it from there. And mm -hmm. then as we play, I can bring in, oh, you're traveling through this bog. Here are the ducks. Let's talk about the ducks now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, there are ducks? What, what, what did they say? <laughs> uh, I love the ducks. I read a bunch of. I, can, I learned to read from comic books, and so I've been reading comics all my life. And mm. so I am a big fan of the Carl Barks and Don Rosa, like duck comics. I loved Howard mm -hmm. the Duck when I was a teen. So <laughs> bring me those ducks. What What did the players say? They They were down. I you know they had already fought like a giant salt slug spirit, and Ooh. you know um, nice some weird metal eating vampires. And so when I started. <laughs> bringing in the that was it was nothing to them it was just another day in Glorantha. Cool. yeah <laughs> so so th this is where we sort of have to ask like what system are you using to run with your players then this is the shameful self-promotion period where i tell you uh, go for it go for it <laughs> <laughs> i was running uh i was play testing speed rune my rules lights uh Glorantha adjacent rpg that yeah, i wrote yeah. um it's free there's amazing art by A. Deegan, who's a cartoonist, a comic book artist that I really, really like. Um, I thought his stuff really, you know, he saw my crappy little version one zine and he said, can I do some art for this? And now, <laughs> now it looks real. Now it looks good. Um, but yeah, it's a D100 system. It's not too far from the basics of, of uh, RuneQuest, but it's a lot easier, I hope. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the only couple things that it has in common with RuneQuest is D100 and like the fact that there are runes and there is one passion per character, but uh, otherwise it's very much its own thing, right? And yeah, I mean, I'm interested to hear how you came up with it, basically. Yeah, the um, there are some really good games that I have played and enjoyed. One is called Sledgehammer by John Geary, which is mm -hmm. Warhammer 40 or Warhammer fantasy roleplay with all the complications shaved off and boiled down. And it's a <laughs> grubby little zine. Um, it fits on one page and it's, it's just really evocative and fun. And then um, Cyber Metal 2012 was the other game that I read that I thought I have to make something like that. Uh, and that's where some of the more complicated dice mechanics and the narrative dice mechanics come from. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I wanted something that one thing I like about Powered by the Apocalypse games is that you can just hand players a stack of playbooks and say, pick one of these, all the rules you need are on this sheet. 
And mm-hmm. so I tried to replicate that. All the basic player rules are on two sides of a single sheet of paper. Uh, and it was just a matter of how can I fit RuneQuest? So, you know, it almost felt like I shoved all of it on those two pieces of paper and then I was pulling pieces out <laughs> and moving them around until they fit. Yeah. Um, while still trying to be evocative and enabling players. Um, I also really love seasonal games. That's part of the appeal of RuneQuest and Glorantha to me is the importance of season. Um, Pendragon was inspiring in that way. Uh, the Sagas of the Icelanders PBTA game is very explicitly. There are only certain things you can do in certain seasons. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I think it helps keep players from getting bogged down about like what's on the other side of the store. We have to roll to listen. I failed someone else roll to listen. And it becomes <laughs> something where instead you're thinking about the passing of weeks and months and years. And people can get old. Characters can get old and retire. Um, players can start playing younger characters that they've been like raising mm-hmm. in the clan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there are some rules that are hopefully kind of fun and loose for doing things in between your adventures and having downtime to repair your fences or raid cattle or have a romance, uh, mm-hmm. do some diplomacy, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my, uh, RuneQuest campaign, like the, uh, you know, the passing of time and seasons and years is something I want to do, but I keep, I, I keep indeed getting bogged down in like, oh no, let's, let's yeah. do this, this thing. And I keep adding side quests and stuff like that <laughs> to the point where, you know, at some point, you know, me and the player were like, okay, now, you know, after this adventure, we do a downtime and we skip forward because like, it's, <laughs> we've been, we've been playing for months, this like, you know, real time thing. Yeah. And it's like, we forgot what we were doing like why we were going to this place in the first place <laughs> yeah i mean so I mean, uh, yeah. it's fun playing that way but uh yeah uh, the rules suggest something else and you basically punish your players by not giving them time to improve yeah exactly um especially in rune quest when you're trying to become a shaman or you're trying to become a rune master but you know at least i give them regular um experience roles anyway so at least they keep progressing uh i don't wait until the end of the season because otherwise they would get one experience role every six months <laughs> but uh <laughs> hopefully people will um uh, will go check out speed rune we'll have a link in the show notes but uh actually maybe uh aaron you should maybe uh do like a high level pitch of what the game looks like and what how it plays um, yeah, Speedrune is a rules light, uh, ancient world fantasy game. It is set up for seasonal play, uh, short campaigns, six sessions or so, but can be continual. All the rules a player needs. And I want to say that it's very, not just Bronze Age, but it, it's very like unwrittenly Glorantan in the sense that, uh, for example, the runes are explicitly listed like you, you, you're not using obviously the um, the symbols of the runes, which are copyright chaosium, but you do have like you know the air rune and the earth rune and all that, and with mechanics to that. So it's it's uh, it is designed for Glorantan play. Yes, there's a, a an expansion coming out soon that I it's actually mm. going to be done today or tomorrow, I think. So it should be out by the time this is released. That has some more runes. Uh, a friend of mine is writing one, uh, like a, a a spin on it that is more about 
like the old Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules shows. Ooh, and so I, I'm interested. Yeah. So the runes, quote unquote, are more like hair, leather, like the things that are really important in that show, the kind of campy looks. And <laughs> um, I'm really excited for that as well. I think part of this too, part of my goal with this game was to have it be really easily hacked. Um, if you want to play with specifically Glorantha, you can if you want it to be looser. I mean, I love bringing in stuff from other books that I've read. And so I wanted to have room to just drop that stuff in without worrying about, am I disrupting something about Glorantha that I don't know about? Um, there's just so much good, like ancient world, Bronze Age, weird fiction out there that I want to pull stuff from. And so that was part of this is like leaving room for players to bring that in as well in their downtime actions. So... Yeah, yeah. The um, one cool thing is that for your seasonal play, so uh, in the GM booklet I get of Speedrun, you have uh, just like a couple page per season. Uh, and, and so, of course, those are the Glorantan season, like sea season, fire season and all that. And you have like narrative prompts for you know what might happen in this season and what, you know, what sort of problems or danger might befall in your community uh and and so you, you've got this this sort of seasonal play outlined and then the community also gets a character sheet so you can track how your community is going in addition to your characters yeah if people have played blades in the dark it's not too different from that blades has yeah. downtime actions and like a sheet for the crew that is separate from the main characters so mm -hmm. i was inspired by that as well um I mean, I, I think it's its own thing, but I also want to be very clear about where I'm like, well, this was a good idea from another game. I'm going to use it. I've hopefully changed <laughs> it enough that it's a, a personal thing or it's its own thing, but there are just yeah. so many, the same with all the Glorantha stuff. There's just so much cool stuff out there. Mm -hmm. How can I get it to the table in a way that my players will engage with and not be mad at me for feeling like they have to read <laughs> some really good books. They should read the Prosopedia, but I'm not going to make them. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a bit about how it plays in practice? Like um, uh, how you find that the Spirit works compared to other games? Yeah, I, when I was getting back into games, was reading a lot of OSR blogs that were mainly focused on um, kind of old school D&D stuff. But um just the idea of making games go quick, putting most of the power in the player's choices, even if they, they, those choices are bad, and then honoring those choices um, is kind of what I try to center. So I have run uh, a full year. It took about six or seven sessions. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, I, I think it was fun. I had fun. It's, it's, I, the idea is you kind of do one adventure... You, you go out, do something, come home, and then you have a downtime action. And then you have another adventure in the next season. And that adventure often builds on the previous one. That's my intention. But you could also just do it as a series of, of one-shot things where you go, I don't know, explore a tomb, and then you go explore another tomb. Like, if that's your framework of role-playing, it's certainly doable here. But yeah, they, you know, they, they built up their clan. It was a lot of fun. They uh, found the ghost of an ancient Stone Age king who had invented 
obsidian, like napping, sharpening obsidian, and they mm-hmm. adopted him and brought him into their tribe and built a big statue for him and let him let him possess some of them for a while. Uh, <laughs> they made friends with these elves. They learned how to uh, smelt and and make stuff out of iron. And then there's a big climactic battle uh, over this god's fallen heart that fell out of the sky a long time ago. Cool. And then we did a weird, yeah, a weird hero quest at the end. There's the final season is is a very weird reversal of of GM roles where the players are kind of challenging the GM. Uh, oh, okay. I've I've got many questions. I'm going to start at the. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of of mechanic, I get the sense that this is like a uh, sparse rolling game. Like you only roll, uh, you know, maybe a dozen times in a in in a session. Um, is that like Combats are just one roll, a bit like in Hero Wars. That is that is that the yeah the, the... GM never rolls. Um, the yeah. players roll if if it's uh, under their skill, they succeed, and then one of the dice in the D100 becomes damage, and then the other one is uh, what is called fate in this game. It's Fallout from the Cyber Metal 2012 game, but that mm-hmm. kind of then describes like the forward motion of the narrative. So if the the fates die as low, things get worse. If it's high, things get better. Maybe you get reinforcements. Maybe you disarm your opponents. Combat's pretty short. I, I want it to be dangerous and violent still. Uh, most enemies will go down in a few hits. Players will last a little bit longer, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of ways to heal up. So there is kind of a slow decline of your character across these seasons, which is part mm-hmm. of why maybe when your character reaches low health, you want to retire and just stay at home and pick up one of the younger people in the clan and go with mm, them. Okay. Um, so not as immediately deadly as some of the RuneQuest games, but <laughs> there is a slow decline, just like real life. I don't want to leave my house these days. <laughs> I've taken enough yes. hits. <laughs> what? Why did you go with player-facing roles only? I loved it. I've run um, probably at this point over 100 Powered by the Apocalypse sessions and Mm -hmm. that's all player roles yeah it frees my brain up to like make it more narratively enticing if i don't have to think about the math and balancing the encounter i can think about like what are the pieces on the board what can i endanger uh what you know what are the plots what's the pacing of the game i have also just been so bored playing a game and the gm is like all right there's eight orcs i am now going to roll each attack and then I'm going to roll each damage roll. And I'm just sitting there, so <laughs> bored. And there are ways to do it better, obviously. I don't think that's uh, endemic in the game. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just yeah. wanted to get rid of that. Again, so many of my players have like ADHD or anxiety <laughs> that they yeah. also, you know, they can't handle long terms of someone else. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Second is um, since you approach this thing, it sounds like very much in a um, the players actively take part in the world building. Tell us about how your Glorantha, Glorantha varies. <laughs> I am a huge, I'm a Glorantha very extremist. Um, I usually start <laughs> so small that it doesn't disrupt. You know, in my mind, all of mm-hmm. these games take place in Glorantha, but it's just in some corner where they're not necessarily running into Lunar Empire or anything. I mean, does the Lunar Empire even exist in your game or like, because, you know, if, if you leave it in the hands of the player long and like enough, 
you know, they might say, oh, and we are at war against the evil, I don't know, darkness empire oh, right. that lives in the south. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's completely different. So, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, did you go that far? It, we haven't gotten that far yet. I, we want to put everyone that played wants to pick it back up and they are now kind of more powerful. They have a full iron mind. They have a lot of spirit power invested in their community. And so people more powerful. So you, you, you mostly stayed local. Yeah, they they did a few days okay. travel one direction, uh, maybe a week's travel the other direction. Um, okay, and we're just dealing with local history. I always start cool. really small in games I run, partially because I'm not that good at like generating big exciting cliffhangers, and so it's very much more about like the slow accretion of details. And then after two or three sessions, it will click in my brain like, oh, here's what they've been after. Here's the important thing to them, and then here's this other bad guy they pissed off recently and so now i can bring those together and create something a bit more exciting so i'm a very slow builder of of details but i'm the lunar empire is out there if they get too big if they get too full of themselves <laughs> and and i do you know i love so much grantha stuff i want to do some troll stuff i want to get down underground and bring in the trolls but also you know i've been reading these books by tanith lee and she writes these really yeah horny ancient world fantasies with these demon kings that come out at night and so i want i want them in there too i'm just greedy i want to have all my fun things <laughs> play all my toys in the toy box come together so yeah to me it sounds a bit like you're uh, not very fixed in place or time and Garantha. so uh the bigger events uh, you can uh, pull in uh, as uh, the game needs yes i i mean and like i said i love the second era books uh the mongoose ones and so like the empire of worm friends are so funny and weird to me and i want to get them in there like a a pyramid scheme of religion is so funny uh, yes yeah. Uh, but yeah it sounds like you treat glorita as a big toolbox rather rather than a uh you know key in hand setting yeah i think if i had gotten into it earlier it would be different um Like I spent decades mm -hmm. reading Marvel and DC comics. I got very into the lore of the Elder Scrolls video games. And so that stuff is encyclopedic in my head. I feel able to pull that stuff out. RuneQuest, I have not explored deep enough that I feel able to be a good steward of the, you know, Greg Stafford written stuff. And so instead I just pull it out uh, as it interests me. Mm. Is there a one crazy element in your Glorenta that you want to share with the listeners so that they could add it to theirs? Um, yeah, so this one, the there was an iron god that uh, had its heart pulled out by a jealous dirt god. And the dirt god threw it in the air and a goose grabbed it and flew off with it. And then where that heart fell, you know, blood was dripping from it and the blood turned into veins of iron in the ground. And then eventually mm -hmm. the goose got distracted and dropped the heart. And it's in a big crater and a bunch of other people have like set up trying to figure out how to mine this heart and turn it into power and stuff. And so that was the site of the conflict. The final conflict of our first season of play was this big metal heart that people were running in and out of and trying to harness and retake the power of this dead god. Mm, nice. Cool. Um And last, you mentioned a couple of very intriguing things about what you do with hero quests. What, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, oh, yeah. So it's, it's, um, 
Hero Quest seemed like the hardest part to run for me. Yes. In Grand Theft. Well, for everybody, don't worry. Everybody okay. is confused. I was going to say, I've looked it up <laughs> and it seems, it seems difficult. And so, um, I try this thing where the GM finally gets to roll in the sacred time and the oh, players okay. don't roll. And so the players are almost describing what their characters are doing in this, this heightened displaced reality and the gm is trying to roll uh above their skills so that's all reversed and then oh. it's, it's a, a bit of trading narrative um control based on how those roles go yeah. i like i like the sort of like mirror reality that this sort of uh implies yeah i don't think it's the perfect solution it still feels a little weird it doesn't feel right yeah. to me it didn't click but uh you know, one more way to try to run hero quests. Now there are yeah. dozens. I mean, it, it, it might be a um, cool mechanic actually for actual mirror universes, you know, in like Star Trek or whatever, right. where, uh, <laughs> where it is actually a mirror universe and then you reverse the mechanics. I like that idea though. Um, but yeah, so how, how, how did it go? It was all right. They, uh, they were trying to harness this heart and uh, they had allied with this tribe that had worshipped this iron god and wanted to become the god again. And in the last moment, they stole the power and uh, one of them became a constellation and uh, one of them sacrificed himself, I think. And so now next time we play, we have two new characters, some young initiates that they had kind of shepherded through downtime that those two players are going to take on. Mm. But they are very powerful now because their best friend is up in the stars looking down on them. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, should we get back on script? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, one, one thing we usually ask people is, like, first, what what do you actually like about Glowantar? What What is it that grabbed you? And you figured like, oh, wow, yeah, this setting is cool. I'm going to stick with it for a while. I love the multiple points of view. Mm. I Like we were talking about, I love that people aren't always right. I mean, there are some clear villains and jerks, but then there are just as many people who are doing the best for their people. And that happens to run up against someone else's intentions. The trolls I was saying, I really want to get into a game because, you know, big monsters creeping out of the darkness seems so villainous and, and evil, but then you read about them and they are people. so human in their own way. And so strange yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, I'm just so intrigued by them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the trolls, the elder scrolls games, Skyrim and oblivion and Morrowind, which I steal freely from, they have a very loose uh, approach to their lore. And so, you know, in one game, someone will say clearly like, this is this God, this is what they do. Here's what happened a hundred years ago. And then the next game, they'll have someone rebut that and say, no, this person was all wrong. It's actually <laughs> something different. And so their lore is very, very human in that way. And that you never know what actually happens past what you see happening. And I think Lorantha has some of that as well. And that appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the head designers for uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, Ken Rolfson, yes, who has some history as Glorantha uh, uh, or Runquest Runza. Yeah, they played a lot of Runquest, I think, while they were making some yeah. of the games, and you can really see it. And 
I kind of think of my time playing Elder Scrolls game as training wheels for when I got into Clorenta <laughs> because there are so many reverberations there. Yes. Yeah. So on the other hand, what do you not like about Glorantha or RuneQuest or um, anything adjacent to it? I think I I think what I don't like is going to be fixed by the Prosopedia. I really just want like a an in-world reference document um separated from the mechanics. It's Mm-hmm. it's hard to track down. If I get curious about something, it's hard to find out where mm-hmm. to learn more. Have you? Do, do you have the, the guide or the source book? I have, no, I have just role-playing in Glorantha for the right. new edition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, you you may or may not like having the guide <laughs> or, and, and the source book because they are also uh, system-independent, uh, pure setting material basically yeah i mean the, the guide is overkill <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's overkill i mean i like it because it's got a bunch of maps in it of course yes and i like it because it's it's very high level so if you if you are indeed looking to know so- something about something you just find like a couple sentences to a paragraph maybe but it's it's vague but evocative so you can you can just take it and go like oh wow yeah it gives me yeah. like five more ideas which is yeah. like which is probably more useful than if you ended up having to read like you know uh, fifty pages of something yeah. so I, I like it I like it for that but the source book is really all the old material that people uh, had to collect from different magazines and stuff uh, in the old times all put together in one place. So oh, that's that's what I want. Uh, so that's really <laughs> what you want to go for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The source book tends to be more focused on like central Genertella, whereas the guide is like the entirety of Glorantha. So they are there's a bit of overlap, but they are also complementary. Yes. So yeah, you might uh, I I would argue maybe you might find one of those, possibly the source book, more useful than the prosopedia. But yeah, I don't know. Someone at the GameStar I work at, someone traded in a little packet of old RuneQuest stuff. It's a newer mm-hmm. printing, I think, but like Ballister's Barracks. Oh, right. Yes. A, a book of trolls and stuff. And I was so excited. I love the old RPGs. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was, I opened the troll book. I was so excited to read about trolls. And it was just like 50 stat blocks for different trolls generated <laughs> because they didn't have. You know, it, people didn't have easy access to computers to like roll the stats quickly. Oh, yes, so it's yes, just right. many, oh, yeah, many the, trolls. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the very early books with the yeah, just the stats. Yeah, yes, the, it's they're... like here's here's fifty humans. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it has half a page of uh, very good background information. <laughs> it does. The first page is really nice, and I wanted more. I just wanted more. But... <laughs> well, yeah, if you, if you want more, you have to look at Troll Pack, which yes. is the seminal book well boxed set i guess about trolls yeah ballastar's barracks is is so old school i love it because like of the the old like you know layout the the typography of it mm-hmm. uh, the old stuff like you know you go in an underground dungeon and on 
you know, level two, there's a, uh, it's not a dragon. I think it's a wyvern, but I mean, still a dragon, like in a room handing out, like selling potions. And you're like, how the <laughs> fuck did the, how the fuck did a dragon get in this room? I mean, like, mm. you know, there's only like two corridors leading to it. And it's like, it makes zero sense. I love it. It's yeah. very old school, like 1979 or something like that. So it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah you you definitely want to check out troll pack uh, which you can uh, actually get in pdf or pod now from chaosium you don't have to hunt down the oh. the old the old box set but and, yeah, um, troll pack is another good way to approach the greater grant and law too because it has the world history through the dark sense of the trolls <laughs> yeah. that's what i want that's what i need yeah so i, I would really say get troll pack <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, of course, uh, that's a very biased look, of, look at the world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, and there's uh, there's nothing else you really don't like elements that you don't care about, and you could you know go without in Glorantha or like. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are, but I just I know there have been so many times in my life where I read something and I love it. And then five years later, I read it again and I think this stinks. Why did I like it? And then the reverse side, so many times where I've read something and thought this is boring. I don't see why I would ever be interested in this. And then 10 years later, it's my favorite thing. And so again, with that toy box vibe, like some of those toys will fall to the bottom and get a little dusty, but maybe someday I'll pull them back out, blow off the dust and be so interested again. Mm. I'm, I'm curious about the things that you changed your mind on. Oh, I mean, a lot of it is like comics and books that I read. Uh, mm, okay. <laughs> one of the first big comics I loved was X-Force drawn by Rob Liefeld. Oh, my God. Right. I was obsessed with it. I loved it. I went, It was the first comic I bought every single month. <laughs> Not for the art, I hope. I, it was just so cool and extreme when I was young. <laughs> and then 10 years oh, later, no. I thought, this looks like garbage. Yeah. But then very recently, uh, this artist, Sarah Horrocks, wrote uh, kind of a reappraisal of Rob Liefeld. And then she kind of talked me around to like, do I like him again now? Do I like his art again? <laughs> Uh, I, th I think I've seen that article do the rounds recently. Uh, I haven't checked it out yet because, yeah, I was never into Rob Liefeld. Right. But... It's a it's an interesting article. I don't think you need to yeah. like Rob Liefeld. I also think he's maybe like not a great guy in general. But um... yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was I was into Todd McFarlane when I was a when I was a teenager. But I think I'm like now I don't care much for the guy anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so what would you recommend newbies who are interested in Glorantha to check out first? Like what, what would be the, the most efficient first contact with Glorantha? I really do like the Mongoose Robin D. Laws, like second age book. Oh, well, as a, as a first thing, the first thing you give to about Glorantha to a newbie? I maybe I don't know. Wow, you're you're full of uh, <laughs> controversial takes. <laughs> it's it's like it's set before current Glorantha, so I feel like it yeah. gives a good basis in history. Um, there, there is an argument to be made for, you know, how often in a fantasy setting, there is the whole like, oh, and X centuries ago, there was like these great empires and these great wars and dragons fought and, and, and skies darkened and everything went to shit. And there's 
a lot of people who say like, why can't we play there? That sounds <laughs> way better than now when I just have to like raid cattle and pay taxes to the lunar. Oh. So, I mean, there, there, I, I get it that there is a, uh, uh, it makes sense to say like, let's play in the second age instead. And, and it also just as a single book gives a nice overview of, of so many yes. things that feel more spread out across other uh, multiple books in, in different versions. Yes. Mm, okay. Yeah. Just like a, a good taste. And then it leaves them wanting more and then they can, they have the patience to dive into bigger, harder RuneQuest books. Yeah. It, mm. it certainly does get across some of the weirdness of Grantha. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Love it. Uh, what do you wish you had known when you um, encountered Glorantha? Like things you wish you had seen or read, or may maybe you'll be able to say that when you check out Troll Pack and the source books. That's later. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I've, you know, I have asked so many people who are RuneQuest lovers, where do I start with RuneQuest? And I get a hundred different answers. Oh, yeah. Which... And half of them are for out of print stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say that the three things you've recommended, I'm going to go get them this week. And uh, then I will be truly educated. I will know everything. Maybe, I or, or maybe you'll curse our names because, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, for example, like the source book, I think I found it boring at first. And it's only when I read a few other things that I came back and I'm like, oh yeah, this is actually useful. But I didn't like it as as a, as a first contact. No, it's, it's, um, it's not a good uh, introduction. It's a good reference, really. Yeah, it's a good reference once you're already in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, you know, keep in touch and tell us what you think once you've yeah. Once you've started looking into those two things. I also used to like read encyclopedias for fun as a kid because it was all that oh was in the God. house. Or um, I was obsessed with the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, which is oh, like okay. prose histories of each character with some yeah. pictures of them and their equipment and stuff. <laughs> I could not get enough of those. And so I think I'm primed to start with the encyclopedia and then go to the stories. And so maybe that's... I wish I had known yeah. that. But that's the thing, though. For example, uh, you know, the uh, encyclopedia about the, the Marvel characters, that's not like... It's great when you're already a fan of those characters and you want to know more, right? It's not like you read this first and then you can read the first comic book. So <laughs> it's... I'm also like that, that once I'm already into a a thing then yeah, I, I definitely see value in the encyclopedia or the reference or the whatever, but yeah. but I wouldn't start with that, right? Does that is that does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's I think that's the right way to do it. I was just like an obsessive weird child that wanted the encyclopedia stuff because what well, I think there's something about <laughs> the way a story is told in an encyclopedia entry is so much shorter than the full story and it leaves a lot of room mm. for me at least to like project onto that and then so yeah. often i've read that encyclopedia entry on you know adam warlock or whatever and then i went back and read the actual comic and thought well, this isn't as good as i thought it was gonna be <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so there is like some magic to that i think yeah yeah well i mean if you're obsessive you're in the right hobby i think <laughs> yeah. in, in the right fandom yeah and yeah uh, I mean, I did write uh, encyclopedia entries for on Glorantha. Of, of course. <laughs> I, got, them. I, got I got to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what else? 
Oh yeah, well, thinking, speaking of uh, writing encyclopedia entries, so Jörg has, of course, a uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Glorenta and the history of the publications and all that. So, if you have any question, burning questions about uh, the about Glorenta itself, about the uh, history and the making of and the behind the scenes or whatever, and you can ask your questions to Jörg and he will reply and I will disagree and uh, you will be left uh, confused. Yeah, I I think I wanted to know more about like disputed historical events. Like so much stuff I find now is more encyclopedic entries that are kind of objective. This happens, then this happens. Mm. But because of the Elder Scrolls stuff and my interest in that kind of gray area, like what are the events that are people disagree on what happened and who gets who gets to decide what's true and what's not that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll offer one because it's one of my favorite ones and we had an episode on them. It's the Tusk Riders. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have the bestiary that comes with the RuneQuest rulebook? No. Did I? Am I supposed to have a bestiary? I mean, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um uh, room quest yes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so the well you have room quest role playing in glorenta right yes yeah and so there is just like in dnd there's like a monster manual like in the room quest there is a bestiary that comes with it and and the bestiary is surprisingly in my opinion interesting in terms of world building like it's much more than just a, a list of monsters with stats there's actually a fair amount of cool world building that comes in the descriptions and uh and one of them is the tusk riders which are my favorite monster probably in in Glorantha, which are these like half orcs that ride giant boars and they have like very nasty magic and very nasty a very nasty culture yeah. where they kill your uh, your dad and your uncle and your mom and then they uh, uh cut the hand uh, strap the hand on their belt and trap the spirit of your um, deceased family member in their hand, in the severed hand, so that they can use their magic because they are like magically deficient. The, the yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's super nasty. Uh, I love it. And one of the sort of mysteries of the setting is like, where do they come from? Because they didn't exist really uh, before. Um, like they show up on the av- towards the end of the second age, and so there are theories that are sort of, you know, mentioned in the books, but it's never actually answered who they are and where they come from. And so that's one of the things that um, I think they will never really give the actual answer. And so you can make up who they are really yourself in your Florenta. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I love that. It's like the. The sea people, right? The real life sea people that like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think the entire second age uh, era or the end of it is uh, a bit diffuse in what happened, who was right, who was wrong. Why did these catastrophes happen? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. You can dispute a lot. Like, uh, yeah, Mario is a, fav- a favorite uh, dispute among people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you check the fandom, enter with uh, at your own risk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't don't go in the forums. I tried unprepared. to look it up. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. No. It's fine. Just stay away if you want to keep your free time. Yeah. And but your sanity. If, if you have some sanity to spare, um, you, you can look up uh, some of the disputes. <laughs> yeah. Well, although. Um, 
I mean, Yel Malio, the whole Yel Malio thing, people might disagree, but it's it's not a uh, a point left open in the canon in the in the written material, though. Mm. Sort of. There, there, there. Well, there's one god here, but we have several origin stories for this one god, and all of them are true. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. <laughs> so uh, he's the son of Yam. He's a, a piece that uh, originated when Yam was dismembered and stuff like that. That's what I love. That's the stuff I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you want vague stuff, then yeah, definitely anytime you look at the myths, which uh, you will get a lot of in the yeah. prosopedia. And even more when the other cults book are released after that, uh, then yeah, you'll get a lot of vague stuff where there are like, yeah. just like with any other myth, you will get like multiple stories that contradict each other, but they're all yeah. true. So, and sometimes you have very, you hear very different stories which intersect at one point, and in the end, they tell the same story, but totally different. <laughs> it's a cultural context, it's a religious context, and yeah, some, sometimes it's just a different insight which powers the story. So, yeah, can do that. Any other questions? No, I'd literally just ordered Troll Pack, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We I mean, well. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love, I love the aspect of the trolls where they are basically political refugees, where, yeah. you know, they, they used to leave down in the underworld in the darkness which was like super awesome for them it was like they call it wonder home i think (laughs) and then when orlanth killed the sun and the sun was dead so the sun went in the other world where there is also the land of the dead and so all of a sudden it was day in the underworld so the trolls were like oh this sucks we don't (laughs) like the light so they sort of like emigrated they had to exiled themselves and so they immigrated yeah. to the surface where it was night well, uh, even though it was they got burnt so um all their descendants are no longer the mistress race trolls but only dark trolls oh yeah that that too like first they they got burnt by by the the sun and then they they had to uh to to emigrate you know they they went up to the uh to the surface where it was night and so they're like okay let's settle here now but Orlanth went and brought back the sun which you know sort of makes the uh day night cycle uh but now it's day again on the surface and now it's you know day half the time on the surface and day half the time in the underworld so now the trolls are fucked forever they they have lost their home where it was always night and it was always uh, cool so they are effectively a political refugees, collateral damage from the war between uh, the air and the fire sky. And it's very sad when you think about it. It is. I would be mad too. Yeah, in that in that light, it, it makes this portraying trolls a lot more, I guess, not really human. You know, they, they might be upset if we called them human, but uh, much more nuanced and uh, three-dimensional, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get troll pack. Get the source book and tell us tell us how it went. Then, where can people find you? What do you want to advertise? I know, like besides Speed Rune, you have written a whole bunch of things. I think you have like two whole pages 
uh, to you on uh, RPG Geek, and it's even incomplete. Wait, I, I have a page on RPG Geek. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's like because you're you're credited in um, RPG products, you can you can look up. Yeah, um, I had no I had no idea. Yeah, no, yeah, and you've got two two whole pages, and I think it's missing some stuff anyway. <laughs> so, where where can people find you, and and what are the main things they should check out besides Speedrun? Um, yeah, I'm still on Twitter as long as it lasts. We'll see if that's true by the time this comes out. Um, I am yeah. at Aaron M F King. There's links to my itch.io page there. I also co-host a podcast called RTFM, where me and my co-host Max talk about old rpgs usually um we kind of mm. read them as books have a little book club and so each episode is about a different book there's like 40 or 50 episodes if you want to go listen mm. to that at rtfmcast.com we're doing rune quest uh in probably a month or two so Ooh, rune quest uh, second edition i'm not i want to do the new edition max has the old avalon hill box set which is <laughs> i think he'll hate it and so we're we're negotiating <laughs> which one we're gonna do i mean i i would i would vote for uh the old classic second edition because first it's gonna be much quicker and yeah. it might be more more interesting maybe yeah. or actually especially yeah. go for the first edition oh my god okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what are you reading right now uh we just put up an episode on Apocalypse Keys, which is a cool Hellboy-inspired Powered by the Apocalypse oh. game by Ray mm -hmm. Najati. And next up, we're doing a game called Slug Blaster, which is, uh, I think the tagline is like kickflip over a quantum centipede. And it's about kids that go to other dimensions to film cool TikToks and not get eaten by interdimensional <laughs> monsters. So we have, so we've been doing some newer stuff lately, but we have uh, older stuff on there too. We've done West End games, Star Wars and Ghostbusters. We've done original D and D and some other uh, kind of more historical books like Ooh, that. But... Ghostbusters and other uh, Greg Stafford uh, thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he keeps turning up. Yeah. I think it's the first dice pool mechanic. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a uh... really fun game. Yeah. The ancestor of D6 Star Wars. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to try D6 Star Wars. Anyway, uh, cool. So we'll have links in the show notes to all of that. People should check out your stuff. It's great. And oh, should we do a couple of funny questions? Joker questions. Yeah. Okay, let's start. Uh, Lunar or Orlanthe? It's got to be Orlanthe just because. I spent in undergrad, I took a class on the sagas of the Icelanders and um, have read a lot of old, you know, Scottish literature as well about horse thieves and cow thieves and stuff. And so mm. that's, that's where my brain goes. It seems. Yeah. So uh, cattle raiding over um, uh, intrigue and uh, killing other nobles. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm a leftist. I can't be part of an empire but I can go steal someone's cows. Okay. <laughs> ducks, ducks or troll again? Uh, I feel like I want to be a duck, but I'm probably a troll. <laughs> I despise the sun. I'm mad at everyone. So I think troll in my heart, duck aspirations. Someday I would like to be a duck, a mysterious <laughs> creature obsessed with death. Well, ducks despise uh, almost everyone too. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm going to the swamp. I'm going to be a duck. 
what is your favorite rune? Oh, I got to look at the list here. This is the hard one. I mean, I feel like I'm leaning darkness just because of the the troll associations. I mm. like I like to sleep. <laughs> so the first of all, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go back to the beginning. Okay. Um, there are lots of uh, weird seeds in Glorantha. Uh, which one uh, is your favorite? I do think it's the Empire of Worm Friends. So no, no seeds. So your your favorite map? Oh, seed! I thought you said seed, like story seed. Seed. No, oh. Seeds. Yes. Um, this is so good. I I like riding horses. I've never uh, been super involved, but where I went to college. They had a, a horse barn so that people who had horses could bring their horses to college with them. And it was always very fun to ride horses, but I feel like I've done it. I'm over it. Um, buffalo seems great. A bison, I think. Just the idea of being like elbow deep in fur while you're riding around uh, for some reason. I think they probably also smell really weird and that appeals to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's not go into weird fetish please uh, <laughs> well it's, uh, it feels like a motorbike i guess yeah 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 probably bison riders are more like uh biker gangs uh, like yeah riding horses seems more noble or something yes yes <laughs> yeah um sartar or prax mm. I mean, I think if if I want to ride all these weird animals, I got to go prax. <laughs> I want to I want to try them all, right? Well, uh, you, can. you can do in Sata too. Masana uh, yeah, does. You, true. <laughs> I mean, you you can buy them at the market and and bring them back if you want, right? <laughs> no, but yeah, I want I want to learn from someone that it's their it's their lifestyle riding ebexes and antelopes and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my when we went to Prax, my players each bought a different mount. So now they have like they look like this weird eclectic group of Stumble. you know, yeah, ones on foot, ones on the llama, ones on the horse. When it's a mess, anybody riding a herdman? <laughs> Don't give ideas to Austin and his trickster character because he will do it. Okay, last one maybe. Ooh. Okay, sword or club? What's your favorite weapon? Sword or club? I don't. I don't know. That's I. Again, I don't think I'm very graceful, so I think I have to go with club. Are Are you gonna put like spikes on it, or just like a big round club? I think just big round. You know, a sword. I have to worry about which end cuts. Oftentimes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you have to worry about that, maybe you shouldn't. You know, uh, yeah, don't give don't give me a weapon. <laughs> I will be I will be running away on my bison friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> other people can deal with them. You, you you can say that you you resolve matters non um uh like peacefully uh with with you know non combative uh, yeah. uh, options and you don't need a weapon maybe. Yeah. Or you just use your own claws and rip people apart <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, club feels good. You know, I've I've swung a baseball bat. That's fun. <laughs> This must be pretty similar, right? Probably, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're a twirl, you get the the damage bonus, which really makes the difference. There you go. Cool. I'm in. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Aaron, for taking some time to talk to us. Uh, and again, people, please check out Speed Rune and uh, the other cool stuff you do. 
It's free. Speedrun is free. Yeah. <laughs> no excuses. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again and uh, have fun with your game. I hope you uh, have many fruitful hero quests. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learner's Glorantan Initiation Series. The intro music is Dancing Tiger by Dams Craig. The outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at The God Learners. See you next time. Question everything to the void and beyond.